Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. Now this chapter is the song that God gave to Moses and Joshua to sing and teach to the people so that they would sing it for hundreds of years to come. It's a testimony against them that they are going to sin and that because of their sin, they're going to get scattered by the Lord. And then when they get scattered into foreign lands, they'll have the opportunity to repent and want to go back home. This song will remind them it was their own choice to sin and they need to change their mind and go back to the Lord. 1. Give ear, ye heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender grass, and as the showers upon the herb. It would be awesome to know what the music was like for this song, but we just have to enjoy the words. 3. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. 4. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and right is he. Jesus is the rock. So here's another reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. We've already seen many references to Jesus, but here's another one. He's faithful what he says he will do. He doesn't break his promises, and he has no sin. He is just and right. 5. Is corruption his? No. His children's is the blemish, a generation crooked and perverse. So it's us, the children of God, who are crooked, not God. 6. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath gotten thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? God created us. God is perfect. It's so evil when people accuse God of wrongdoing, because they're the one who does wrong. They're the ones who lie, cheat, steal, Yet they have the gall to say that God is wrong, when they're the sinners. 7. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will declare unto thee, thine elders, and they will tell thee. All the older people are going to know our history, where we came from, how the Lord brought us out of Egypt, how he kept his promises and brought us to the promised land, and how we sinned. 8. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the children of men, he set the borders of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. He did give them the border of the whole land of Israel and separated it according to the tribes. 9. For the portion of the Lord is his people, Jacob the lot of his inheritance. The Lord owns Israel, the entire nation, for himself. They are his witness to the world. Now he loves everybody the same. He loves the pagans as much as the Israelites. But the Israelites are a sign and a wonder. They're the only people in history whose bloodline has never diminished, who do better than everybody else when they obey and worse than everybody else when they sin. They're the only people in history who were given the law of God. They're the only people in history from whom Jesus and all the apostles come. They are the people through which we have received salvation. God loves everybody equally, but he uses them as a sign and a wonder to the world. 10. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste, a howling wilderness. He compassed him about. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. God found Israel in Egypt, being mistreated, and he put his arms around them and comforted them as a loving father. 11. As an eagle that stirreth up her nest, hovering over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her pinions. Now this will be mentioned again in Isaiah, a mother bird that bears her young on her own wings, which isn't really possible, but 
with God, all things are possible. He is like a bird that can actually carry its own young on its wings. Now, there's no bird on the planet who has ever been able to do that. But God does that for us. He carries us on his wings. 12. The Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. It's only the Lord that led them through the desert to Canaan. 13. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he did eat the fruitage of the field, and he made him to suck honey out of the crag and oil out of the flinty rock. He gave them not only water in the desert from rocks, but he gave them honey and oil from rocks. And he gave them all the fruit of the field as they were traveling. They might have gotten fruit because they had to battle some of those people, even though that wasn't their original intent. 14. Curd of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan, and he goats with a kidney fat of wheat, and of the blood of the grape thou drankest foaming wine. Now in the previous chapter it said they never had wine, but this song is to be sung in the future, talking about the wine that they're going to drink when they get into Canaan. 15. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked, thou didst wax fat, thou didst grow thick, thou didst become gross, and he forsook God who made him, and condemned the rock of his salvation. Jeshurun means upright, and this is being used as a name for Israel because they're the people in the world that have the law, the upright law of God. But after they get comfortable in Israel, then they're going to turn back to false gods, and that's what it's saying. 16. They roused him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations did they provoke him. 17. They sacrificed unto demons, no gods, gods that they knew not, new gods that came up of late which your fathers dreaded not. Whenever you sacrifice to gods, it is demons. There really are no other gods, but demons pretend that they are gods, just like demons pretend that they're the dead. Now, why do demons do that? Because they've always wanted to usurp the authority of their creator. And that's why they all fell from heaven. So they want to trick people into worshiping them because they never got God to worship them or the other angels. And so they try to trick people into worshiping them. 18. Of the rock that begot thee, thou wast unmindful and did forget God that bore thee. The rock is Jesus Christ, both in the Old and the New Testament. Even though in the Old Testament it doesn't tell you it's Jesus yet, but in the New Testament it does. But there are many other references besides the rock. 19. And the Lord saw and spurned because of the provoking of his sons and his daughters. The Lord got angry with them. And this is all prophecy because it hasn't happened yet. He's been angry with them several times. But this is prophesying the future when he disperses them from Israel. 20. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They're wanton. They push forward to get what they want. 21. They have roused me to jealousy with a no God. They have provoked me with their vanities, and I will rouse them to jealousy with a no people. I will provoke them with a vile nation. God is saying they have these things made of wood that they bow down to and pray to, and those aren't even gods. It's just a demon telling them to worship him. I will make a people who are not of any significance overcome them. 22. For a fire is kindled in my nostril, and burneth unto the depths of the nether world, and devoureth the earth with her produce, and setteth ablaze the foundations of the mountains. God will send fire. To destroy when he wants to. And that's why in the end of the age, this whole world will be destroyed by fire. 
Now, a lot of people think jealousy is a sin. Animals get jealous, and animals don't have spirits, and they don't know right from wrong. Therefore, they cannot sin. Jealousy is actually a very natural emotion because animals express it and God expresses it. Jealousy is simply when you know that you've been slighted by the person who is supposed to love you. My dog knows that he's the most important person in my life in the pack. If I go pet another dog, he's like, you're cheating on me. And he's right. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong for me to do that in this case, but his jealousy is totally valid. And when you and I worship other gods, we are provoking the real God to jealousy, and his jealousy is totally valid. Now, what people do with their jealousy is when it crosses over into sin, because if you try to hurt the other person because you're jealous, that's when you become a sinner. But feeling jealous is not a sin. It's a legitimate emotion that God gave us. 23. I will heap evils upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. 24. The wasting of hunger and the devouring of the fiery bolt and bitter destruction and the teeth of beasts I will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. These verses are describing war and ghost towns, abandoned cities that the animals take over. 25. Without shall the sword bereave, and in the chambers terror slain both young man and virgin, the suckling with a man of gray hairs. So a suckling is a baby, and of course a, a gray-haired man is elderly. So it's going to kill the young, the females, the males, the babies, and the old people. And you'll have terror, whether it's outside your house or inside your house. War and terror will come to Israel, and we see that even in the Bible. We're going to come across it where terror comes to Israel. 26. I thought I would make an end of them. I would make their memory cease from among men. 27. Were it not that I dreaded the enemy's provocation, lest their adversaries should misdeem, lest they should say, Our land is exalted, and not the Lord hath wrought all this. God is saying, the only reason that I don't completely destroy them is because the pagans will lie about me and say that it wasn't me who destroyed them, but it was their own power. 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. And that's the pagans. For when a nation sins, it has no wisdom. 29. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. So they would see what's coming, that destruction is coming, if they sin. That's like our nations today. Most nations today have no wisdom and no understanding. And so they just continue on in sin. And they don't see that ultimately this world will be destroyed because the nations won't repent. 30. How should one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had given them over, and the Lord had delivered them up? Now there are cases in the Old Testament, which we will get to very soon, in the book of Judges, the book of Joshua, and the history books like Kings and Chronicles. We will see that sometimes one man can kill a thousand people, or hundreds of people. And this is only because of God. It's not because that one man could physically do that on his own, but it's because of his faith and obedience to God that God was able to kill all of his enemies so quickly. 31. For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. 32. For their vine is the vine of Sodom, and of the fields of Gomorrah their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. The nations will say, only the Lord could make them fight like this. 
33. Their vine is the venom of serpents and the cruel poison of asps. In the other nations where they worship false gods, their food is poisoned. And we see that today in America because we have so much idol worship, worshiping mainly movie stars, sports stars, our own bellies, and our bodies. Our food is poison. 34. Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense against the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that are to come upon them shall make haste. Destruction will come quickly, and vengeance is only up to the Lord to take out. It isn't a sin to feel jealous, but it is a sin to take vengeance, because only God is allowed to do that. 36. For the Lord will judge his people, and repent himself for his servants. When he seeth that their stay is gone, and there is none remaining, shut up or left at large. After God has punished them, he will stop punishing them when he sees that the only people left are his servants, those who obey him. Because there will always be a remnant in Israel that continue obeying the Lord. When all of the sinners are destroyed, then he'll stop warring against Israel to preserve those who still follow him. 37. And it is said, Where are their gods, the rock in whom they trusted? 38. Who did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let him rise up and help you. Let him be your protection. So you see, when you give an offering to the Lord, he actually consumes it. It isn't just because the priest is burning it, but God is actually consuming it. In one of the sacrifices that they gave, the fire actually came down and consumed it. And there are several cases in the Bible where God himself, his own fire, comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. We're going to read about that when we read this story of Elijah. And there's other times as well. But these rocks and stone that they carve into idols, those can't eat or drink. You can put food before them and it'll never get consumed. 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I have wounded and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. This is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. This verse shows you the power of God. He's the only one who can create us, and he's the only one who can kill us. He's the only one who can wound us, and he's the only one who can heal us. That is awesome. He gave you life. And he can keep you alive forever. And he can heal every hurt that you have. All the emotional hurt, the physical hurt, the mental hurt, whatever it is, he can heal it. 40. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say as I live forever. 41. If I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine adversaries and will recompense them that hate me. And this is what will happen when Jesus comes back in the tribulation. He will kill his enemies. The, the book of Revelation talks about that. 42. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy. This is actually referring to the heads in the front, which are the chief captains of the army, although a lot of warriors do have long hair in some cultures because you see that in ancient China with the Native Americans and some other people around the world. And Samson also, his strength was in his hair. So it's saying God will kill even the strongest of men. 
43. Sing aloud, O ye nations, of his people, for he doth avenge the blood of his servants, and doth render vengeance to his adversaries, and doth make expiation for the land of his people. Those of us who continue to serve the Lord on the great day of his wrath, the people who have hurt us will be killed during the great tribulation. Now, that's nothing to be gleeful over, because God hates it when people go to hell. So we should work hard to share the gospel with people so that they don't get destroyed. 44. And Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Hoshea, the son of Nun. In this chapter, it calls Joshua Hoshea. So it's just a derivation of that same name. But it's interesting how it changes to this derivation right here. It's probably emphasizing that Joshua is another word for Savior. And now Joshua is going to represent Christ the Savior when he takes them across the Jordan into the Promised Land, just as Jesus will one day take his bride up into the sky into heaven. 45. And when Moses made an end of speaking all these words to all Israel, 46, he said unto them, Set your heart unto all the words wherewith I testify against you this day, that ye may charge your children therewith to observe to do all the words of this law. 47. For it is no vain thing for you, because it is your life, and through this thing ye shall prolong your days upon the land, whither ye go over the Jordan to possess it. And whither means where you go over the Jordan to possess it. He's saying the law will keep you alive. And this is very true. This is why Jesus said in the New Testament, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And Jesus in me fulfills the law. My flesh will always sin but Jesus in me will never sin. That's why I need to keep the faith that he's in me. When I lose the faith that he's in me, then my flesh comes alive again and I start sinning. That's why as a Christian, I think of sinning as losing the faith. And then when I repent of my lack of faith and I die to myself again spiritually and believe that he's in me, then I stop sinning because I'm walking in faith again at that point. The law gives us life. He fulfills the law in me, and he leads me into salvation, which is eternal life. 48. And the Lord spoke unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, So this is after this, they sang the song. The Lord said, 49. Get thee up into this mountain of Abarim, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. Before Moses dies, God's going to take him up Mount Nebo again. He already took him up Mount Nebo once before, but he's going to do it again. He's saying, let's go back to Mount Nebo together, and I want to show you the land one last time before you die. And at this point, Moses, his speech is done. The last few chapters of Deuteronomy are going to describe the death of Moses. But I think it's beautiful that God took him up the mountain one last time together. 50. And die in the mount whither thou goest up, and be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. God saying, when you go up, we're going to look at the land together, and then you're going to die. Right there. 51. Because ye trespassed against me in the midst of the children of Israel at the waters of Meribath, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. It was a really big deal to God when Moses struck that rock the second time because he was instructed to speak to the rock and tell the water to come out. The children of Israel, they learn by everything that Moses has done and said, he's been teaching faith to the children of Israel. But on that day, when he did not speak to the rock and instead struck it, they missed their faith lesson that day. 
And it was a really important lesson. And it was that the word of God is effective. We don't have to do physical things. It was the word of God that created the whole heaven and earth. And I recently heard another interpretation, which is that Jesus was struck once on the cross, and he won't be struck a second time. Moses had already struck the rock once, and he couldn't strike it a second time. Because when he struck it the first time, that represented Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus will not die a second time. Once was all that was needed. So when you and I go back into sin, the book of Hebrews says when we go back to sin, it's like us expecting Jesus to get back on the cross, and he won't do it. When we go back to sin, we aren't forgiven. We have to repent because he died on the cross once and once for all to transform our lives so that we will no longer be practicing sinners. Anyway, my brother gave me that interpretation, and it's really good. 52. For thou shalt see the land afar off, but thou shalt not go thither into the land which I give the children of Israel. So again, God's reminding Moses, this is all because you struck the rock twice. And he doesn't want Moses to forget it. But he still loves Moses. They're still friends. And he's going to have a very beautiful burial. And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 32.